Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. You are listening to a message from our Wednesday night service. Good evening. Yeah, I said that before, but it's nice. It's nice to uh, be here. It's, uh, it's an honor. It's first time preaching on a Wednesday. So God is good. God is faithful. So for a while, the Lord has been impressing on my heart a few things pertaining to, to work. So the title of the message is called Work. And, um, you know, God, God will work things out in you before you speak about it. So God has been showing me things. He's been bringing correction to areas of my life. He's been showing me things in the marketplace. When I say, when I say work, I mean the marketplace. He's been showing me things in the marketplace that he, that he wants me to, to correct. He's been trying to change my perspective on things. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about that and what that, and what that means and, and what that means for us. And I want to piggyback a little bit off of... Uh, you know, Pastor David was here and Pastor Clem was here and some of the things that they were saying is in alignment with what's in this message. So I hope that, that it's received well. I hope that it resonates with you guys. And um, the title is Work. So the, the average American adult works 38.7 hours a week. Some people I know, they work more than that, 40-something, close to 50, depending on, you know, how... How much is required of you? The average American adult gets 6.8 hours of sleep a night, which equals 47.6 hours a week sleeping. The average American adult works and sleeps a combined 86.3 hours a week. There's 168 hours a week. If you minus 86.3 hours, that equals to 81.7 hours left to yourself and your family. It's not very good. The average American adult gets about three and a half days out of, the, out of a seven day week for their families. So if you're, if you're a husband, you have three and a half days to connect with your wife. If you're a father, you have three and a half days to really connect with your children. That, that's minus your screen time on the phone, whether me and my wife are famous, you know, we're notorious for, for looking on memes and sending each other memes, we're right next to each other, we're texting each other. But like all of that, if you, if you could calculate, I didn't go into that, but if you could calculate how much screen time you're on, all of that takes away from, from you being a husband or a wife or a parent. And, that, and that's not to mention like if you're in the gym, if you're, you know, whatever you do for, for fun, whatever, all of that, you have three and a half days to get that done, and it's not, usually people don't have three and a half days together. Wow. So it is, it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy. So one of the things that came to my mind is we spend a lot of time at work. Right? We spend a lot of time at work. So at work, you could have, you could have um, life-given relationships where you're, you're sowing into to people, where, where there's life, there's an exchange of life, where, where there's connection, where, where you're building. Or you could have like a bad work environment to where you know you dread going into work every single day and you're not happy about your situation. You could be a Christian and have um, you know like say like you know good good you know people see like the Christ in you, right? Or you could be that person that that's not getting the attention from your spouse at home, right? You could be. Maybe affairs happen that way, things like that happen that way. So there's a lot of things that could take place in the marketplace. But I'm not going to get into that too much. 
Most Christians go to work with a bad attitude because we're just tired and have the wrong perspective of our jobs. We view our work as a toil instead of an opportunity to serve. We go day to day pushing through to make our money and we do the countdown until we go home and miss multiple opportunities. And I'm gonna quote Pastor David to make Jesus known. So whether you realize it or not, before you wake up that morning, the night before, you decide how you're gonna have that next day. Me as a barber, I could look, I could go through my appointment app and I could see 13 appointments line up and I could see whose hair is hard, whose hair is difficult, whose gives me a hard time, whose I'm gonna be happy to see. But for the most part, like I could predetermine what type of day I'm gonna have based off of what work lies ahead. And I could go to work and I could be totally beat because I take care of my kids and I have, I have my wife and you have life, right? Life gets you and then you go into work and you don't, and you don't work with a degree of excellence. You don't go there. We're, we're Christians and we don't go there reflecting the king. We don't go there with the perspective of, of a posture like, hey, all right, you know, I may be tired, but God, I need you to strengthen me. I know you can strengthen me. God, what is it that you want to do today? And it sounds easier said than done, but if you don't, if you don't do that, you go into work Every single thing that you do is a, is a toil, is life draining, and you can't wait to get out of there. And the Christian and Christ in you, which is the hope for the next person, which is the hope for the people around you, Christ in you, which is supposed to be the thing that changes the whole environment of wherever God is placing you, people don't see that. Jose sees me happy at work, and Jose sees me totally fried. And it probably, he probably gets a haircut that, that's probably different every time. <laughs> But he loves me and he keeps coming back. So I'm, God is showing me, God is showing me that I have to, I have to have a different perspective with, with me going to work. If that, if that job is going gonna, is gonna to take all that time away from your family, it better be worth it. If that time is going to take, take away from your family, it better be worth it. And you know what, you know what, if, if there's life-giving exchange at work, you know what happens when you come home? Life-giving exchange. There's more life. When you're beat and you're fried, you come home, you don't, you're not good to your wife. You're not, you're not bad, but she's not getting your best. Your kids aren't getting your best. You look like crap. I mean, I'm just keeping it real. It's just it's what it is, man. Today, my hope is to help make us aware of this battle that robs Christians daily. I'm speaking to Christians, I'm speaking to believers. The hope of this message is to help us discover our work and our job, because our work and our job are two totally different things. And some of us, maybe some, some people don't, don't, don't have a job. Well, as you go, where you go, as you go, find your work. There's work. This word work is used 714 times in 648 verses throughout the Bible. There's, I'm gonna hit, there's different words for the word work. I'm gonna hit on three of them specifically today. So the first one is uh, malaka. That's why I, I don't speak that language, but it, it means ministry, employment, business. When I see the word business and employment, I think right away when Jesus was 
12 years old and he was in Jerusalem and they forgot him during the Passover and you know they, they're halfway back home and then they realize oh where's Jesus he's not with us and then go back and then they, Mary and, and, and Joseph find him they're like well, look, what, 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 look what you've done to our father like me and your father like we're worried about you and he says didn't you know I'll be about my father's business I just think about that story like like our, our father's he's the best businessman around so if we want to do business, we should be doing business with him. If you want your business to be successful, he has to be at the center. Jesus has to be preeminent in our business, in our, in our interactions. So it means business, journey, work, handiwork, craftsmanship, service. This was the word associated with the work of God in the creation story. The next word is, is abad. It means to serve, to toil, to accomplish, to be a bondman or bond service, that's like a, a slave. People don't like that word, but that's what it is. A husbandman, which is like a modern-day landscaper. To keep, which is to guard, and protect. Cause to make. This is, I have this in red because it's, it's, it's important. To become. To become. That word till means... It also means to cultivate. That's where you get the word cultivate from. Work, labor. Now this is the thing that really hit me. Worshipper. Worshipper, to adore, to love, and to respect deeply. When, when you think worshipper, who's given the work? Where does the work come from? It comes from the Father. So if, if, the, if the work is for who? For man. And, and if worship's there, it's, it's supposed to be there in the area of service and all these things here, but it's, it's, it's worship. You think, you think of this word, you know God gave man work before he gave him a woman? He had work before he gave him a woman. If he, didn't, if he couldn't handle that right, he wasn't gonna handle that woman right, and we've seen what happened, that's why we're here now. But there, there, it's really, really important. The, the work that God gave for man, it was in the garden, it was in a place, and it was in, his work, it wasn't a toil, like how we experience today when we go to our jobs with the wrong perspective. It wasn't by the sweat of the brow. It was through communion with the Father. Everything he did, he, it was easy. It was easy, because he was in relationship, proper relationship with the Father. And you've seen what happened when he got out of relationship. You've seen what happened when he wasn't guarding and protecting his spouse when later on God gave him his spouse. You've seen what happened. This, this work is, 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 is in alignment with stewardship. It's connected, it's together. So this, this word work was, was prepared for Adam and is associated with growth, and I'll show you where from the beginning. So ergon is the, is the Greek word where you get in the, in the New Testament. It means to work, to toil as an effort of occupation, an act or a deed. And this is the New Testament word, so, so I'm going to go into Ephesians real quick, and I'm going to hit on something. So Ephesians 2, verses 10, it says, For we are His workmanship. We saw that in the, in, in the definition of God's work in the very beginning, craftsmanship. We are His workmanship. And we were created because God wanted company. He was bored. We were created for what? Good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word walk means to live, to, to live in them. We're supposed to be people of good works. 
We're supposed to embody good works. We're supposed to live in good works. And God has prepared good works that we should walk in them. So every single day of our lives as we get up, there's something that God has prepared from before we ever even stepped into this earth. There's things that have been prepared for us that we should walk in them. There's opportunities that we have daily that we, we miss constantly. There's some that, that we, we nail it, knock it out of the park. But there's some that we miss. But there's works that are prepared for us that we should, that we should walk in them. But, but what's the purpose of these works? It's to what? Reflect the king. Make Jesus known, right? Yep. I'm going to hit on that. Make Jesus known. Pastor Clem was here. He was talking about the whisper. The whisper of God. It's connected. All of this is connected. When you're, when you're working and you're going to work with, a, with an attitude of worship, when you're going, all right, God, what is it that you want to do? Every single person that you encounter matters. When you go there with that perspective, then things happen. Things happen in the blink of an eye. Things happen. The environment of your work can change. When you're not present, the, I notice when I'm not present and I don't take my role and my dominion in my barbershop, I'm listening to Bad Bunny. I'm listening to like, you know, things are, not that I want to listen to Bad Bunny, but that's what happens because I didn't take charge of the shop. I didn't take charge of, when I take the remote and I go click, what happens? The music changes and no one really says nothing. They may murmur a little bit, but it's my shop. Right. That. So as Christians, you don't want to be control freaks. But, I, but at the end of the day, we're we're in charge of the environment that, that we're in. That's right. We don't have to let things get out of whack because greater is is he that that's in us than he that's in the world. So. That's right. All right. So now we're going to make this legal and we're going to go into Genesis and I'm going to read some some Bible verses here. So I'm going to go and I'm going to drive something home. God gave me this. He opened my eyes. There was like a deposit in my spirit like over eight years ago concerning this. I think I spoke to you, Isaac, briefly about this. At the time, I, 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 all I had was like the book concordances. So it really took a long time to really get into that word back then. So I just put it off to the side. And I was reminded about it recently with um, all the, the, the $5 concordance investment on my phone and all the stuff the pastor gave me, you know, I was able to kind of get into this and break it down a little better. But we're going to make this legal. So in Genesis 2, Verses 1 through 3, if you want to go there. If not, you can see it behind me. But thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his works, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. That's the Sabbath. Because in it, he rested from all of his work, which God had created and made. Verse 4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth or the earth of the heavens before any plant of the field. Listen to this, verse 5. Before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. Why? There was no man to till the ground. That word till is abad. That's the word work. So before there was man, there was work. See, sometimes, sometimes we, you know, my wife's going in transition right now with as far as like she's looking for a new job, right? And I'm always like, I'm, if this God is opening a door for her, praise God, great. This is God, great. But I always remind her, Make sure you're, you talk to God. Make sure you're in alignment with what he wants to do. Because what you want to do and what he wants to do sometimes aren't the, 
the, the same thing. You want to be in alignment with, he, with what he wants to do. And if he wants you there, he's going to open that door and you're going to walk right through it. And it's going to be him. But make sure you ask him first because you want to be in alignment with him. Even if the, the, the commute is 50 minutes each way. Even if you got to circle around the blocks looking for parking. That might be something that you have to do. Maybe that's where God wants you. Right. But wherever you are, wherever you go, the environment that he puts you in is where is where you're supposed to be. That environment is, is supposed to be better because you're there. That environment has people. There's people that are attached to you. There's assignments that only you can do that, that God has, has made specifically for you. And we have to be in communion with God and have the right time and to to recognize it. So so this thing right here with with till. It's, it, means, it means to cultivate, but the principle here is that God hasn't, didn't cause it to rain because, what, they couldn't handle the growth. Sometimes in life we want, you know, we want, God, send me the harvest. Let it rain. We want the harvest. We want all these chairs, these empty chairs, we want it filled, right? We're believing for that, right? But can we till it? Can we, can we till the ground? Can we till? Are we ready to till the ground? Are we ready for the harvest? I'm grateful that God answered our prayers and sent those people pure in heart. But are we ready for the harvest? We, we can't have, we can't, God won't cause growth prematurely. And there's a principle there from the very beginning. God is looking for a man or a woman. When I say man, I mean both in this particular. He's looking for someone that's, that can till the ground. He's looking for someone to cultivate his environment, to cultivate what he wants to grow, someone to take care of it. And that comes in the area of people, which is his first priority. Verse 6, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And I'm going to fast forward down to verse 15. Then the Lord took man and put him in the garden, that's the garden of Eden, to tend it and to keep it. That's to, to cultivate what he's given him the plants, right, everything that's there, but also to guard it, to protect it. That's why when the, when the snake came, he should have had dominion over that. He should have been guarding his wife. He should have been protecting his wife. He should have been watching over his wife. Verse 16, And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. From the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. All right, so, so we know that story. We're going to fast forward into chapter 3. I'm going to go all the way down to, to verse 17. We're going to pass him cursing the, the snake. We know what happens there. We're going to pass him cursing uh, Eve. And we're going to go to the curse of Adam. Because a lot of times, whether we realize it or not, we operate in the curse of Adam. And I'll get to that. Verse 17. And then he said to Adam, Because you have heeded the voice to your wife and have eaten... From the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both, th both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. And in the sweat of your face, that's the first and only time that word sweat is mentioned in, in the scripture. You open it, that's the one time it's mentioned. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. That sounds like a long time. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. So, in the American culture, what is one of the things that, that, that you hear all the time? 
you know, work hard, work, work hard, play hard. You have, uh, you know, hustle hard. You have, you know, what's, what's the one my, my brother says? What's the one my brother says? No, the other one. Hard work pays. There you go. Hard work pays. Yeah, he's, he's with the hard work pays. So you have that and you have that. All of this stuff is, is, is all rooted in me. It's all centered and it's rooted in me, 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 me. By the sweat of my brow. By, by the sweat of my brow. The sweat of my brow is going to cost you your family. The sweat of my brow is going to cost you your, your wife, your children. The sweat of your brow is going to have you accumulate things that don't matter. The sweat of your brow is going to have you uh, store up your house, but it's all going to perish. They're not eternal. They don't last. Right? Before, before this curse, what happened to man? Did man have the sweat of his brow? He was working in the presence of the Lord, and it wasn't a toil. It wasn't a grind. It was easy. When he was hungry, he went to the to the fridge, the tree, and he ate. The problem was he ate from the wrong tree. God said one tree. There was a lot. There was abundance. He said, don't eat from there. But you see that curse still today, and we still operate in, in, in that curse. And if we're not aware of it, right, today we're, we're bringing, um, we're, we're releasing truth so that we're aware, so that we can watch ourselves as we go. Because the, the, the truth is we're redeemed people, right? We're eternal beings. We're redeemed people. We're, we're a new creation, but until he comes again, we're still living in this, this situation, right? So, so now our perspective has to change. Now it's like, all right, do I, do I go to work? Do I toil, toil, toil to put food on the table? Or am I going to work because part of me putting food on the table is, is, is me taking my, care of my responsibility as a father, but who am I going to reach when I go to work? That blessing that I get, who else is it going to bless? Or is it going to be me, 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 me? So because of the blood of Jesus, we are born again. Therefore, the curse is broken and we, don't, and we have access to walk with God as we work. So we get to go back to the principle that, that Adam had in the garden before the fall. We get to commune with God as we work. There's, there's something there. No longer working under the curse of Adam, bearing the image of the man of dust, but now bearing the image of our heavenly, the heavenly man, Jesus, we have hope for everyone we encounter. This is good news. Work was created for man to become everything God intended him to be to accomplish the will of God from a place of rest and a posture of worship. So if, if, we, if we recognize that and we go to work with that attitude, things will begin to change. Things are going to begin to be different. I got a testimony. I'll share something with you. Recently, I changed my hours on Saturdays to 6.30 a.m. 6.30 a.m. is very early. The reason why I changed it was because I, I want to meet my son for, to watch him soc play soccer. He played at one o'clock. So I understand that, you know, I still have to cut hair, so I'm gonna open up my schedule early to go in earlier. But now when I go in at that time, I don't wake up excited about it. I don't wake up like, all right, you know, I'm gonna go, great, I get to cut hair, that's just being real, I don't. But I, I go, when I go to work, you know what's the difference? I'm the first person there, I'm the first person to turn on the radio, and what goes on? Worship music. All right. So right away, I have the airwaves. Right away, I have the airwaves. So Christian music's on. I have a, I have a, a kid come in. Now this kid I've known since he was in high school. I know he struggles with, with homosexuality. And I know that um, you know, he has other issues. And he comes in, and I haven't seen him in like a year. He comes in, he, he's getting his hair cut. Now I even had some uh, preconceived notions that he might not even show up because he's done that to me before. So I'm not even like too excited about it, if I'm gonna be quite honest. So I go to work 
And um, I'm there, and he comes in, and I see that he's a little off. And I, I'm like, you know, trying to start conversation with him, and I see he's a little off. And then something just comes to my mind, like ask him how his mother's doing. So I say, how's your mom doing? I know that he had like a, a young mom, like, like, you know, like, like my age, young, <laughs> young mom. And um, he, he starts like, you know, that was like the trigger. He just starts opening up. You know, my mother, she's diagnosed with leukemia. I've been taking care of her. I'm working from home. You know, she's sick. I'm, and then like he's, you know, and I could just, he's leaking. He's leaking. So now I'm like, all right, what do I, you know, what, what am I going to do here? So now I start talking to him about like, you know what, man? I talk about the goodness of God. I talk to him about, you know, not blaming God. Because maybe I felt like, you know, maybe he's blaming God for this, about not blaming God and where sickness comes from. And um, what he can do, you know what you could do? You could speak life over your mother. You know, we're created in the image and likeness of God. And there's creative power in his, in his tongue. He spoke everything into existence. So, you know, you could go up to your mother and, you know, you could say, I speak life over you in the name of Jesus. I speak this cancer to go in the name of Jesus. And then I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm like, all right, this is a God moment. And then I start saying to myself, this kid is probably gay and he probably don't know Jesus. So I don't know how good that's going to be. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I got to. Before he leaves, I gotta get him saved. Before he leaves, he has to accept Christ, or else those, you know. And I'm like, and then I hear that whisper, like, don't. He's not gonna, he's not gonna say. And I know where that comes from. That's from the pits of hell. So I, you know what I did? I took a risk. I took a risk. I said, you know what, man? It's all this that I'm telling you is is is, is truth. It's really good, but it only works if, you know, it works. It's better if you're a Christian, put it that way. It's better if you're a Christian. You know, there's power in the name of Jesus, but it's better if, you know, you're a Christian because when, when you accept him, his spirit comes and dwells inside you. And then I start talking to him about that. And then next thing you know, I ask him if he's willing to get, you know, born again. And he says, yes. And I'm like shocked. I'm like, wow. And I'm like, so in the middle of, probably around 7 o'clock now, nobody's there, right? It's the environment of heaven because I'm there and there's no contention. The enemy's trying to whisper in my ear, but I know that's not Holy Spirit. And I, I wound up leading them to the Lord by the grace of God. Amen. And you know what, you know what happened? In six, in six years being there, I never, one-on-one -on -one in the shop, I had somebody there with me. We prayed people to, through accepting Christ. One of the men was here last week, Eddie, he's going now to Pastor David's church. But I never had that encounter. And you know what it came? It came with a risk, a chance. I had to put my feelings aside if he's going to reject me. You know, and I had to just get over myself. But you know what happened? The dude, the dude got saved. I invited him to church. It didn't translate with him coming to church. But you know what happened? There was a seed deposited and he's born again. So now there's hope. There's hope for a better future for him. And you know what happened after that? After that, what happened? I had energy. I had supernatural energy for the rest of the day, like, like I had multiple shots of coffee. Like multiple, like I had supernatural energy throughout the day, which carried into every single conversation throughout the day, which carried into me going home in a good mood, which carried into me calling my pastor, and he was actually surprised that I was happy. And like, like I had a good, like, he's like, you know, he gets so many phone calls, like, hey, what's going on now? Like, he's like, oh, that's great. Like, you know, that's the vision. That's what you wanted. 
right? That's the vision. That's what you wanted. Wow. But the vision came from, from heaven. It's, it hasn't come to pass. Awesome. One of the parts of that word work, it means to come to pass. Bring things to pass. It means to accomplish. That's the will of God. It's our job to, to make it come to pass. We have to work with him. One of the words in that, that define that word is to become. We are to become everything that God intended us to be from the beginning of the earth, from when he was, we were first thought about. When, when those, those works that were prepared for us, we're supposed to become the good work. We're supposed to live and embody it. That's supposed to be an everyday thing. That's not supposed to be like, hey, look, this amazing thing happened after six years. It's pretty sad if you think about it that it took six years for someone to get saved in my job. I mean, I've led a barber before to the Lord, but it's, it's really, it's not good. But God, that's not a condemning thing. It's just that, that God is better than that. And he, he deserves more. Our food was never supposed to be the reward for a, a man's toil. We had the freedom to just pick and eat. Man chooses to live by the sweat of their brow instead of my food is to do the will of my father and finish his work. I'm going to go into the New Testament. I'm going to bring, so I'm, I'm trying to drive home this point, but I'm going to bring, it's better to bring a scripture to show you this in application. So I'm going to go into Acts 18, 1, 1 through 3. 1 verses 1 through 3. So the apostle Paul was a tent maker by craft. So he had a job. So he, was, he wasn't just a preacher of, of the word, he, had, he actually had a job. He was a tent maker by craft. His job was to make tents. His work was to make Jesus known. In Acts 18 verses 2, the Bible says that he found a certain Jew named Aquila and his wife Priscilla. They came to Corinth, which is the, 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 church, the Corinthian church, from Italy. At the same time, Paul arrived from Athens. They both happen to be of the same craft. So that's like the providence of God. It seems like, you know, things like just happen to be, but God is at work through this whole situation. The Bible says, because they were of the same occupation, Paul was given a place to stay where he worked. Paul was there about a year and a half. So now you, because of his occupation, because they were of the same craft, he was given a place to stay. What do you think, the Bible doesn't go into these details, but what do you think took place with Paul working with this man and Paul living with this couple? What do you think? This life-to-life -life exchange. Those people would never ever be the same. Paul is on a mission. Paul's job is like, hey, I, I, can, I can build, I can make tents. But the Bible says that he found him. I believe personally that when he laid eyes on him, God spoke to him. I believe that Paul, the Bible doesn't say that, that's why I say I believe, but I believe Paul was in such, in such communion with God, in such relationship with God, that when he's there, he says that's him. When he's there, that he says that's him. So you just think about like them working together, going home at night, and just no television in those days, no, no distractions like that, just, just him sewing into these people for a year and a half, this couple for a year and a half, this couple for a year and a half. In Acts 18.18, 18, it says that Paul leaving the Corinthians, Corinth for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him, the Bible says that they came to Ephesus and Paul left them there. 
So now that says a lot because they were working together and now Paul's leaving, he's going, and they're coming with him. So he must have marked their life so deeply that they wanted to leave where they were and, and be with him. It wasn't about economics because they obviously had a business. They had their business, you know, I can't leave my business, you know, my business is here. They, they recognized that this was bigger than their, than their tent making. In fact, you never even see anything else about them with tents after this. It's, it's over. And what happens? Paul goes, they land in Ephesus, and what happens? They wanted to continue with Paul. And you know what happens? Paul tells them, stay. Stay. So now that they could be all in their feelings, like, yo, I followed this guy, I left everything, I came to, to Ephesus, I wanted to go with him, and he's telling me to stay, and they'd, no. They're not in their feelings about it. Let's go to Acts 18, 24 through 28. A certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man. If you know Alexandria is in Egypt, and they had like one of the wonders of the world, the ancient wonders of the world was the library in Alexandria. So it was a lot of Jews that were in Alexandria, but it was also like very similar to like the, the people that were very smart, like the philosophy and all of that stuff. They were there too. Libraries, I think you got smart people there, back then at least. But um, born in Alexandria, eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. The Bible says that this man was instructed in the way of the Lord and that he had a fiery spirit. So this guy was like, you know, he was ready. He was like a breath. He was ready. Apollo spoke and, and taught diligently the things of the Lord, only knowing the baptism of John. So this means that he only knew the baptism of John. This means that he, was, he brought fruit worthy of repentance, but he didn't know the power of God. And we talked about, and you know, Pastor Clem this weekend talked about you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He didn't know the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just about speaking in tongues and being able to edify yourself. It was about being a witness. He didn't know about that. Now these, these people spun time with Paul. They were able to hear him. It says that as Apollo, spoke, as Apollo spoke boldly in the synagogue, Aquila and Priscilla heard him. They heard him, they saw him, because it says that he was a fiery spirit and he spoke eloquently. And he, you know, they're describing his personality, how he is. And they took him and expounded onto him the way of God more perfectly. They didn't openly say anything, they took him privately. You know what, you know what that means? They befriended him. That goes with what Pastor David was talking about, with dialogue. They didn't get the loudspeaker like, you only know the baptism of John. You don't know about the baptism. No, they took him privately and they sowed into him. And you know what? As eloquent as usually people that, that speak well and are very, very smart, they're very, very proud. He was humble enough to be able to take the correction privately. And what happens with him? The results. Apollos was sent through the church greatly helping those who had believed through grace and he refuted the Jews publicly showing them through what the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ which is the why we're here Apollos became so famous in the church that Paul has to bring correction posing the question is Christ divided because you had like different sects of people like saying like I'm of Paul no I'm of Apollos you know I'm of Peter who's Cephas so he had to like say, and then some, I'm, I'm of Christ, like is Christ divided? Like 
You know, it's not about Paul. It's not about, that's why he says, I'm, I'm, thank God that I didn't baptize half of you guys, right? Because, you know, he didn't want to deal with any of that. So he had to bring correction. So for Apollos' name to be put in that category with, with, with him and Peter in Christ, which means that he became a big man in, in, in the church. He became like, like one of the big dogs. And how does that even happen? How does that even happen if Paul is not sensitive in the marketplace? How does that happen if those people don't have a yes, Priscilla and Aquila don't have a yes in their spirit and recognize the call of God on Paul and recognize that their destiny was attached to this man. To say no to, to putting food on the table and, and no to my, my career, my job, that that's just my job. I take my job with me everywhere I go. Is the work of the Lord that's more important and I'm following this person because my destiny is attached to this man. And it's Christ in them that, that keeps the humility when, when he says, no, stay here. Because they recognize what he was doing. They spent a year and a half with him and they were ready a seed pro produces after what? His own kind. Those were his children in the, in the faith. Those were his children in the faith. And what, what, what did they do? They fathered this young man. And what happened to him? He began, he's up there with the pillars of the, of, of the faith. All that happens where? Not in the church, not in the synagogue, in the marketplace. It happens at work. It happens with them doing what Christ, what God originally intended for us in the beginning where Adam failed. My point, because of Paul's upward call to make Jesus known and everything he did, he did as unto the Lord. Paul embodying Jesus making tents changed the lives of Aquila and Priscilla and the church forever. Priscilla and Aquila embodying Jesus changed the life of Apollos who together helped work to bring the kingdom of God everywhere they went and made church history. You know, I, I believe in this house we have some, uh, some people fight over the, the name, the order, Priscilla's and Aquila's, because you see that they go back and forth throughout the scriptures. Some think that Priscilla became to be like the, the, the leader from, the, from that aspect of the church, like later on, but it doesn't matter. They're never mentioned, what, they're not mentioned without each other. Their call was together. I think that there, I believe that there's, there's marriages in this house that have calls like that that are going to be together. That wherever they go, it's going to be a together. It's not going to be no, you're not going to be like Peter and his wife tagging along, coming to meet them later. It's going to be together. I believe that. There's some truths to take home. As, as Christians, a bad perspective can equal a bad attitude and a lost opportunity. I'm going to show my age right now. Have you, any of you guys remember that old Dunkin' Donuts commercial? Where, where like the bald guy with the mustache, like the old bald guy with the, I know you do. <laughs> We're showing our age. He would like, the alarm clock would go off every day. He'd like beep, beep, beep. And he was like, it's time to make the donuts. And then, he, and then it would go, and then the next day would show him the next day and every day it would just repeat. And this guy was so miserable. He was so tired of getting up and having to go to work. He was so, so miserable with his life. And, and that's, what, that's what we're like, man. We wake up, it's time to make the donuts, and we just go to work pissed off. Excuse my language, we go to work upset. We go to work upset because, and this is live too, God forgive me. But um, we go to work upset because it's like, you know, like I don't even want to do this job. Like, and people feel that, people, you know, experience that, and it's not good, man. It, is, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything. All it does is, is it doesn't represent who our king is. So we were created for good works, not good jobs. 
I'm not saying like I'm not, you know, praise God if you have a good job and I hope you all get good jobs. I hope you get a good job, but you know, we're, we're created for good works. There's a difference. When we discover our work in our job, our, our lives begin to have purpose. When we, when we, the reason why I was energized with that story is because there, there was purpose in there. My, my, my God-given assignment was involved in that situation. I honestly talk to God and say, when, when, did you, when am I going to stop cutting hair? I talk to him like that. When am I going to stop? Because I know it's going to come to an end. I just don't know when. I said, when is it going to stop? But until then, I got to do it with a degree of excellence, and I got to do it as unto the Lord. And while I go, I have to find God moments. I have to remember when a young man who was fornicating with his, his girlfriend and her father was a pastor and she comes out pregnant and they wanted to get an abortion and their pastors were, were telling them to get an abortion and I had to speak life to the situation. That's life given. That's why you're there. That's what you're there for. Now they got a beautiful family with multiple children and they're married. So not fornicating no more. But the, the, the point is God puts you in those places for a specific reason to speak life into certain situations. It's not about that, that should be every day. And if you don't have a, a job, is as you go, as you go, the whispers of God, as Pastor Clem was talking about, and being sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to, to maybe see a need with your eyes. Maybe God's opening up your eyes to a specific need. Maybe you're hearing the whisper of God to, telling you something specifically, giving you a word of knowledge about a situation, a word of wisdom about a situation, whatever it is. But just go and be willing and be sensitive enough to know that, hey, it's not about me. The, this, this world that we live in is more than just about, like, like Pastor was saying, is more than just being born again and going to heaven. We're all gonna go to heaven, right? We, we know Jesus, we're gonna go to heaven, but are we gonna bring heaven to earth? Are we gonna bring heaven to earth? Where we go, is, is that place where we work, is it significantly different now because we're there? Are the people that have been around you are their lives changed because they've been in, 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 in communion with you every day throughout the year? In a year and a half, Paul did a lot with, with Priscilla and Aquila. In a year and a half, that's Paul. It's a high, it's a high standard, but that, that could be us. That could be us. Tending and guarding what God gives you causes growth. That's the principle in the beginning. Sometimes we want more, more, more. God, give me more, give me more. It's like what Pastor Clem was saying, like, you know, with, with, with his son, with all these toys. He's got all these toys, right? All these toys, and he's, he wants more toys. He's not playing with the toys that he has. In the area of stewardship, I believe that there's multiple things that God has given every single one of us. And when we begin to, to steward what he's given us well, I believe there's more there. As a principle from the very beginning, when, when you steward what God has given you well, we want a new house. Well, how's, what's the condition of the house you have now? Do you clean your house? Is your house a mess? Is your house a home? Is the presence of God there? Do, what does your children think about you? If, you? if you had to take one of our kids or someone close to you and they, and they pull them aside when you're not around, what would they say about you? What does your wife think about you? What does your husband think about you? That's a home. That's what makes the home. So like if you take care of your business at home, 
Be a father, be a husband first. Be a father. If you're a wife, be a wife, be a mother. Take care of that. Take care of the workplace. Take care of your, your chores. You take everything God has given you, because we know everything that he gives us is a gift. Take care of that well. Watch the increase come. I believe that. Watch, watch the increase come. We can live by the sweat of our brow, or my food is to do the will of my Father and finish His work. So we could, we, could, we could toil, 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 just to put food on the table, or we could put aside our appetites and say, God, what's your will? You see that at the, in John 4 with the women at the well. All the disciples are super hungry. They want to go into town. They go eat. The only person that stays behind is John. Why? Because he, his eyes were always fixed on Jesus. What happens? Jesus goes and, and he changes a whole, a whole village, a whole situation. That, that woman at the well, she has a life-changing encounter and goes and tells everybody good news about Jesus because he put his appetite aside and he saw that this was the will of the Father. It wasn't to go get something to eat. When we, we can bear the image of Adam or we can bear the image of Jesus. Work was created for man to become everything God intended him to be, to accomplish the will of God from a place of rest and a posture of worship. Work is an opportunity to meet the next Priscilla and Aquila. In our work, destiny is unlocked. In our work, destiny is unlocked. Potential, everyone has a degree of potential. Potential is in every single one of us. Potential is never something that is, it's always something that can be. Destiny is, is, is always a far off. It's always a far off. It's about finishing right. It's about finishing right and in our work, our work will unlock our destiny. In our work, as we, in relation with God, as we're in a place of worship, as we're doing what we're supposed to do and we're stewarding well, God will begin to line everything up as we're in alignment with him and he'll begin to unlock our destiny as we go, as we go, as we go, as we're sensitive. So I hope this is, I hope that that was kind of helpful. I tried to, you know, it's on my heart, man, because I feel like, I feel like we spend a lot of time at work. Me personally, I'm, I'm totally wiped out from, from work. I'm totally wiped out and my, my, my family gets leftovers a lot of times and I know better. I know where to get filled up. I know how to get filled up. But no matter if you know where to go to get filled up as far as bringing it to the Lord, getting filled up by His Holy Spirit, you're still human. Right? You're still human. Even if you get filled up, if you don't pour out, there's no energy. There's no life-giving exchange. It's about getting filled up and it's about pouring out. God is showing me in the marketplace he wants me to be aware. He wants us to be aware of God moments where we can have divine encounters, where we can have life-giving exchange, and where we could actually begin to make difference, where there could actually be discipleship, where there could actually be people that um, all these empty chairs will get filled. Where, where, where our questions of like, God, where are you taking me? Where, where, what's my call? <laughs> you know, where am I? Am I going to be in Jersey? Where are you taking me? Right? All that stuff. It don't matter. If, you, if you're about your father's business 
and you do the work that you, he intended you to do from the very beginning, you're going to become everything that he intended you to be if you're in your proper place. And that's my point. That's my point. You'll be everything that God intended you to be. You have all the tools necessary to be everything that he intended you to be. And, and you're going to be the person he intended you to be. He intended me to be. There's, there's no duplicates. There's a specific, we all got specific fingerprints for a reason, bro. There's a specific thing that God has assignments attached to every single one of our lives for a reason. And it's good. But the great news is that we don't got to do it alone. That's why we're family. So let's just end it with a prayer. So, Father, we just thank you for this word. We thank you that I hope it fell on good ground. I hope that it was received well. God, I ask that you would water that word. I ask that you would help the people to protect that word. I ask that you would... Um, have people in prayer begin to pray into this word. And I, I pray that it bears fruit, God. I pray that it's a word in season. I pray that it's a word that resonates. And I pray that it's, it's a fruitful word, that we actually see uh, fruit from it, God, not only in our own lives, but that we would begin to encounter people and that uh, this neighborhood would be changed, our work environment would be changed, and um, your name would be held high, Jesus, that, that we'll make you known. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.